My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. UK Tech Weekly Podcast. Believe it or not, we've been working hard to bring you not only flaming hot content, but a veritable vindaloo of a podcast today, listener, as we charge into the weekend with the wild abandon of a Zuckerberg Backyard VR webcast. Joining me are compadres Scott Carey, editor of Computer World UK. Hello. And tech advisor staff writer Sean Bradley. Hi there. Hello. And tech news has simmered to a manageable rolling ball this week, so we're back. And we're here with three cyber stuff dumplings to chew on for some minutes. Let's cook. So, Scott, you're a Gmail user, and so am I. So is Sean, and daily, so are 1.4 billion people. Mm. Uh, but in the business space, at least, it's G Suite, uh, G Suite subscriptions pale in comparison to Outlook's. But there are changes coming for businesses and consumers. Uh, have we actually been craving the changes that Google has made to Gmail this week? Yeah, so Gmail have made a, a huge uh, amount of changes um, to, to Gmail this week. Um, they won't be unusual to anyone that uses Inbox by Gmail, which is their kind of yep. cutting edge um, like email product, which doesn't really look like an Inbox. It looks more like a feed. Yeah. Um, and that's where they um, they actually admitted on a call this week with us that that's kind of where they test bed all of their um, new features for, mm-hmm. for Gmail before rolling it out to, to all their main users. So anyone that's used the mobile app or, or specifically the Inbox app will, will be familiar with this. So for anyone who doesn't know, what does Inbox do that Gmail doesn't? Yeah, so Inbox um, will basically prioritize emails um, in terms of importance instead of sort of timeliness yep. um, and it will look a bit more like a Facebook feed and then you can do um, some stuff like you can snooze emails and they'll pop back up eventually if you're busy or you can um, it will nudge you to respond to an email that you maybe haven't uh, looked at for a couple of days yep. um, it uses a lot of machine learning to kind of like categorize emails in a, in a different way um, I tried it didn't love it but a lot of people do like it's it. kind of a workflow that's difficult to get into I, I tried it as well but you kind of for me anyway ended up not trusting that it was showing me what yeah. i needed to yeah. see is that where the problem lies for i it? think so i think so yeah um so, so gmail is undertaking a lot of those changes now yeah so gmail has had its first big um redesign in um about five years i think 2013 it's a long was the time. Last time it does look old yeah <laughs> 
On desktop, um, this we're talking here, aren't we? Not mobile. Yeah, app. we're talking on desktop. Yeah, mobile yeah. gets um, a little bit more incremental updates. And um, myself and a few journalists sat on a on a hangouts with um, Jacob Bank, who's one of the the lead product managers at, at Gmail, early this week to talk through a lot of this stuff. And and he was quite forthright in the fact that um, to bring a lot of these features to 1.4 billion Gmail users, they had to actually do a lot of sort of ground up redesign work. Um, yeah, things like offline. Um, full function offline capability. So okay. back in the day with Gmail, like on especially on if you were using it on desktop, um, if you're offline, it, it didn't really work. Um, it basically shut down and you couldn't click into emails, um, which has been a problem for me when I've gone to things and I need to like yeah, pull freaking... out like a booking reference or something and I can't sure. get in there. Um, so they've ground up, rewritten the app so that you now basically can look at your last i think sort of something like 60 80 emails um offline and then everything will just sync back up once you get back online so that's good for if you're flying or if you're on the tube or anything like that um and that's now come to desktop instead of um just on mobile uh he also talked about um the difficulties of uh some of the new security features they brought in um so i think the fact that they've had to do a lot of work there means that's why you haven't seen these updates all come incrementally they've all come in one big bang because they've um, had to do it all at once uh but what he did do is he broke down like the the changes to gmail into three buckets so um love me a bucket yeah so they they want it to be the most secure browser the easiest to use and the smartest and all everything that they've announced um this week falls broadly into into one of those areas the the thing that's interesting for me is is as you said like this is a hugely popular consumer email app but but not quite as popular in the enterprise. Mm-hmm. Uh, Microsoft and Google now are 100% the the two big players in that space um, in terms of Office tools like your word processors and, and all of your G Suite and, and Office stuff, but also email is a huge pillar of that. Um, so what they're definitely trying to do is, is compete better with uh, Outlook, which has always been good on the security side on giving lots of granular admin controls you know you can link up um with your uh, directory so if someone leaves yep. the company then they lose all their rights to send sensitive documents and stuff like that so what they've been really focusing on is is cutting down on phishing um so the way they do that is the way that they kind of categorize for spam so they'll um scan your inbox uh, scan all the messages and then they will assign them a sort of a uh, risk factor um, out of 100 in terms of whether it looks like a phishing attack and then they'll basically put a very very red or very yellow banner at the top saying this looks like phishing okay email please don't open the attachment in case you're unless you're 100 percent sure and then they've also set up this other thing called confidential mode which is um if you're sending something that's extremely secure yeah uh, or extremely sensitive sorry um then uh, you can set parameters. So after 10 days, that piece of content will explode. Yeah, bringing, so. bringing some Snapchat vibes yeah. to Gmail. Because um, as well as that, you have um, attachments uh, appearing in line, which yeah. is looking weird. But yeah, they call them, it off. Uh, what did they call them? Attachment. <laughs> was it something dumb? Something stupid. <laughs> <laughs> you can turn that off, that looked weird. But yeah, like you were saying, with the um, you can take away privileges from certain emails. So supposedly um, you can unsend emails. And, yeah, so and you can manually... Um, revoke access to a piece of content if um, you're worried about sending it out to the wrong person. So it's a bit like a Dropbox link yep. um, in the fact that you know it expires. Basically. Yeah, it expires, or or the person that's in charge of it can cut off access to it. What I wanted to know is that they also say you can um, 
block forwarding and copying. Yeah. Yeah, so you can basically send an email to someone, but then you restrict their ability to forward that or copy the content. Um, Pretty cool from that that level, but then yeah. You can just so the way that take, works take actually, <laughs> yeah, the way that works actually is um, it's not really email, <laughs> so it sends you to a um, sort of protected. You'll 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 get you'll a link. leave Gmail with you. Right? Yeah, you'll leave Gmail. Um, it will be stored somewhere in like a um, a separate sort of part of the Google Cloud. Um, infrastructure and then um, that's how they can sort of set all those rules around it okay it's definitely it's definitely a very useful feature and it's something I think Microsoft users have been able to do Dropbox has been able to do um, I don't know uh, how popular it will be but it's definitely attractive to maybe you know the legal profession or anyone like that who are if they're looking at G Suite as a as an option that yeah. might be an, a handy little feature no definitely and, and, and some of this is more perception than the actual um, use of the stuff anyway I'd imagine like you were saying um is this what it needs to do to compete with Microsoft at enterprise level? Or yeah, it- yeah, hundred percent. This is it's the same in the Dropbox and Box sort of area of, of collaboration. It's it's now all about the perception that it's the most secure, or it has very granular admin controls. Anything that you want, sort of as a if you're an IT decision maker, it's the sort of stuff that you're sort of checking boxes for. Yeah. When you're when you're going through that procurement process, um, but then sort of uh, on the sort of the more fun side, they they've added a lot of very very smart features and one of the journalists on the call actually asked you know uh now that you're sort of scanning emails <coughs> so that you can prioritize them does that mean that you can see the content of them and they were like we're very strict about this basically it's the algorithm is like looking for signals in the emails but it's all anonymized and there is no google engineer that is able to read right. the content of your emails okay. um, so we wanted to get that out of the way google also have now stopped um advertising regarding against them um, things that are in your inbox so they've stopped scanning your email uh, to advertise against which is you know really nice of them it's always uh, hard for to... for google uh, to give up yeah any any privilege that they have to uh, advertise to you so but they wanted to be front and center with that and and the benefit of that as a feature now is that yeah you um if you send an email and it has a clear signal in it that you're asking for something so you're asking for some an action point or you're asking for a response to a question um if you don't get an answer to that in two days it will kind of ping you a message being like do you want to follow this up right um and then it also works the other way and the fact that it's like you've got an, e- an email in your inbox that you haven't responded to that clearly needs responding to get on with um it. get on with it and they'll nudge it back to the top of your inbox do those security uh, the fact that it will no longer scan your emails mm. does that apply to the consumer update as well yeah it's it, all of these updates are just gmail wide whether you whether you yeah. have it as a personal account or whether you have it as a uh, part of a g suite um, it's all the same application, so and I, that's global as well. I turned it on earlier. Uh, yeah. If you go to the, the little settings cog in yeah. your inbox, Says it, it might top. say try the new Gmail, which is rolling out. Um, have you tried the new Gmail? Sure. Uh, I have not, but I'm looking forward to. <laughs> I mean, it I've, looks I've, a lot I've always, nicer. It does look nicer because I've always thought that Gmail was a very. I I, I don't really use the browser Gmail. No. I put it all through the, like a, a mail. Um, client mm. just because I think it looks really dated yeah. <laughs> yeah which might be very superb well, that's what I do on my mobile I go through the the Apple mail app yeah I use, I use Apple at work, mail I use it oh yeah um, on my desktop and um, yeah it, it's a bit slower I've noticed okay. um, but that's probably because of the added functionality yeah everything's a bit more rounded which is yeah. obviously the, the vibe for the last million years and new typefaces and such and then you've also got um app integration which you didn't have before yeah so this is this is pretty sweet actually so there's a new right hand sweet yeah there's a new right hand panel um where you can pull in other um google apps or uh add-ons that you have 
Um, the main use case I can envision for this off the bat is basically someone says, are you free on Tuesday? Uh, you can pull in um, your Google Calendar in that right-hand yeah. panel and quickly look without having to switch Sweet tabs, tabs yeah. or any, anything like, or whip out <clears> your phone. Um, that's extremely useful. Uh, there's also, they're really pushing hard on tasks. So they've yeah, got I was about new, to say that, yeah. Uh, whatever. Yeah, if you want, yeah. <laughs> but that, that's more with, um, if you have to action something that's within an email, right? Yeah, you it's if you're a very yourself. to-do list kind of person, which I'm Because the, the other thing is, yeah, they, they're um, putting Google Keep in there as well, yeah. which is kind of like the consumer to-do list version, right? Yeah. So mm-hmm. tasks is more geared towards business. Yeah, and then you could put in sort of your Salesforce CRM there if you yeah. um, if you want to look at like a record while you're in an email, you know, just quickly pull something up like that. Um, so there, there's a a lot of benefit to that and that means now that the left and right panels are collapsible for the first time mm-hmm. um, because otherwise it would all be a bit squished um, in terms of your subject lines in the middle uh, so I mean long story short it's all it all makes a lot of sense really um, all the updates um, kind of look good I'm trying to remember what else they kind of announced in terms of bits and pieces um, is it a surprise to you that it's taken this long not really. Okay. I think what well, I think they could have released some of these smart features earlier. They obviously trialed them in Inbox. They worked. People liked them. They could have probably pushed them out earlier. But it sounds like they've been really busy trying to get that offline functionality and the security features sorted. And then they could announce it all as the new Gmail and get loads of press Lots for of press it. They've got which they did. They got tons of press. Of press. For, yeah. Um, it got really well covered. Um, so. If these changes are not coming to the Gmail mobile app, does mm-hmm. that mean Inbox is going to sort of stagger on as this sort of weird testing ground? That's exactly what it's going to stay on as. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it, it is going to stay on for its small, probably not that small, but its small batch of super users. And those people are going to basically A-B test features for Gmail in the future. Uh-huh. Um, it's weird it. to me that it's kind of like users a mobile app, but then they're trialing stuff that for desktop. Yeah. Don't know. <laughs> Do you use Inbox, Sean? Uh, I don't. No, I know. I'm, I'm behind. I need to get on this. No, I mean, I, we find it confusing. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's weird how, like, sort of for like largely in the past sort of like decade or so, the way people use email hasn't really changed all that much. It's always been sort of time based. You know, that's the way your inbox works. So these sort of innovations coming forward are quite interesting to watch. So. Yeah, because with, with the introduction of things like, um, well, Inbox's uh, algorithm to make it more like what you what you want to see that's very instagrammy isn't it yeah yeah yeah. um, taking away messages when you want them to disappear is kind of weirdly snapchat yeah um is that where they're getting all their ideas from the consumer space i mean does email need need that much of an update people people don't like using it because it seems antiquated but if it ain't broke well everyone likes talking about how much we hate email you know slack have built a very successful business off of um email not being particularly effective um short-term sort of communication channel um but it's not going anywhere um so any sort of incremental improvement you can bring to that experience is a good thing i i personally yeah have emails that i star and then about 10 days later realize that i haven't responded to them and feel yeah. a pang of guilt so if any if there's anything that can sort of nudge me in that direction i i have no real problem with that it, it's just another example of google being able to leverage their like huge amount of ability to uh, apply machine learning to a lot of this data and yeah. to make things a little bit smarter, a little bit more intuitive, um, a little bit less uh, heavy lifting for the user. And and that's the direction I think they'll keep going. They'll keep just trying to make it a little bit better. The other thing I thought was interesting was that they're 
completely redesigning notifications and they're trying to batch them up a bit more now so you don't get one for every email which seems like a good thing okay on desktop we're talking on desktop yeah um they said that um with this new high priority notifications um approach they're going to cut down push notifications by 97 (laughs) percent which just like seems good as someone that turns off their push notifications i shudder to think that there are actually people out there that are getting that many push notifications uh, yes they're mm. infuriating but i guess on... i do on my desktop I, I guess i do get email notifications in the top right corner of my computer you just learn to ignore them i've just learned to ignore them yeah, yeah. crazy Easy. yeah actually i know i do as well yeah yeah maybe i don't get that many emails <laughs> <laughs> well I, i'll definitely um be using it i don't know if i'll switch to it um permanently um, i don't think we as idg employees are ever going to see this no on our work email because I don't think anyone knows who has the admin rights. So. <laughs> Little uh, insider info for you there, listener. <laughs> uh, thanks a lot for that, Scott. Um, we will see uh, beautifully after my question into another uh, Google conversation. But first of all, uh, Scott, Gmail or Gfail? Oh, nice. Yeah, no, it's Gmail for me. I, I am a user. I will continue to be a user. And I think these are all pretty good little bits and pieces they've added. Sean? Yeah, I agree. Um, I think it's interesting the uh, direction they're taking with it. So, yeah, interesting, interesting what happens. Click on your cog, everyone. Yeah. Uh, see if you can try it. Um, but download Inbox on your mobile if you want the same experience. We will be right back to chat about chat. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. For years now, iPhone users have toiled with us pesky green bubble users. We've been wondering if Apple will ever release iMessage for Android or if Google will build an Android alternative. It kind of is now, but it's really confusing. (laughs) So it's just called chat. It's not Google chat and it's not Android chat. It's a new um, standard which Google is implementing along with operators based on rich communication services which is RCS. Before I get into that... (laughs) So is it SMS or is it like WhatsApp? It is for the SMS um, application on your phone, on on an Android phone. So you'll both probably be aware, Scott, you mentioned that um, Hangouts, but that used to be a consumer product that has now become an enterprise play for Google. 
if you actually go back to even pre-Android, there were things called Google Ch- uh, Google Chat, actually, ironically, and Google Talk, um, which died a death. Last year, you might remember, maybe two years ago, um, Google released Allo, mm-hmm. which everyone thought was them trying to do an iMessage. Um, but it turned out that that was an app that didn't support SMS. So no one used it. Yeah. <laughs> because really, you're not going to get your iPhone buddy to download Allo to message you over data connection on Android. They're just going to go use WhatsApp or just send me a green bubble. Yeah. So this is actually a little bit of a curveball from Google. Um, what it's done, it's before it announced it, it gave the exclusive to The Verge because that's what everyone does now. Um, they have approached op- about 50 operators worldwide. And this is something that an operator has to say yes to to turn on because um, rich communication services is like a thing. Apple are not subscribed <laughs> to this way of thinking, but it allows SMS to kind of evolve, if you like. It allows it to be more flexible. So it's an operator-based service, not a Google one. It's not encrypted, which is a bit... Lovely. Uh, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. But SMS can't really be um, by virtue of how it works, basically. And the reason that Apple got away with doing iMessage is just because they did it first. And they had so much leverage at a time with it. About five years ago, iMessage yeah. came out. Yeah. Maybe, actually, maybe, maybe longer, 2011. Uh, so the iPhone, um, the carriers couldn't say no to Google at that time. And I no. think if Google had done it, they may have got away with it. But now what they're basically having to do, this will allow, on your phone, most people nowadays use the Android Messages app, which is a Google app. When you open that and send a text message, if you were on Vodafone and you sent a text to your mate who has um, another brand of Android phone on O2, the idea is that uh, you'll see typing indicators, you get read receipts, you can send as rich communication services suggest, richer media. Because yeah. like at the moment, at the last time any of you sent an image or a video over SMS, but it's rubbish. Yeah. It doesn't scale high res. It's like a little tiny box in the middle of your screen. The person might not want to download it. They might be annoyed that it costs them 30p. It's like, it's mad that it's still a thing. <laughs> um, but this will mean that you can do that and you can also have group uh, chats as well, which I find a massive pain. Um, on uh, Android, if you want to like start a text conversation with someone, you can only just send blanket text to somebody you won't get the message back in the same thread you get it back individually this changes that but it's really confusing (laughs) yeah do you kind of understand that that vague overview of what they've done yeah it's iMessage for android right that's what it kind of is but it isn't because it's not actually a google product it's a new standard that they've coined called chat yeah and it's not sending over the web it's sending it, it, no it SMS. is it is sending over, da- over data okay it does send over data but it falls back to plain old sms yeah, like, like if I it message, doesn't work yeah. like iMessage okay. um but it won't it's more fragmented in that they need operators on board and they need um people to actually use the apps that it's kind of compatible with so yeah. uh, lg and samsung are on board because they still have stock texting apps i don't think huawei are don't quote me on that. Um, but most phones now, um, Android new ones, come preloaded with so Android the, messages. Yeah, they're going to install this as a standard now. Yeah. Um, it's all, Apparently, the first um, carrier to turn it on is Sprint uh, in the US. Yeah. And it's, but it's not like a thing. You don't even have to push an over-the-air update. They just turn it on. Okay. Um, so it seems pretty... It does seem actually quite clever in its complexity. Yeah. Because the way I was thinking about it is that rather than doing the grand, here is iMessage for Android, which I don't think will ever happen... It's kind of a clever way to offer a service that people will end up using unconsciously by virtue of it being good 
mm. and it just being on their phone. Yeah, yeah. They're not going. Ta da! Here's a new thing because that's what they've always done. They try to turn Hangouts into a, a thing, and they're like, oh, don't use that anymore. You should be using this. And yeah. um, they brought out Allo because they were trying to compete directly with Facebook Messenger with all those weird stickers and things. But it's actually really hard to get somebody to download a brand new app. Yeah. There's a lot, yeah. There's a graveyard full of um, examples <laughs> of, of these not <laughs> these not working. Yeah. Uh, like Microsoft have gone through iteration after iteration of communication solutions. Not SMS, but you know, mm. just on the web. Um, that you know, they bought they bought Skype for that exact reason. Yep. Um, and then there's I'm hearing a lot of rumours that Slack are working on a consumer version of Slack. Really. Um, and I mean that seems doomed to fail yes. as well because yeah. um, you're competing with whatsapp and you don't just there's no point exactly that's what google have finally learned um and it seems mad that android's been around we're in the 10th year of android now and mm-hmm. that google hadn't already worked out how to do this i think the ubiquity of the iphone helped that people just sort of start using iMessage and they don't realise it's happening. Yeah. yeah. So many people have it, you think, oh, text messages are blue. That's cool. And then you suddenly get a green one. It's like, what, what the hell is this? Um, and it's just ingrained now that we kind of, some people understand, some people don't really know. Like, for sure, my parents have no idea why it's green and sometimes it's blue. Sure. Um, but they don't care because it works. Yeah. And I think that would be the thing with this chat thing. Once it turns on, you'll, if you actually use your stock SMS app, which some people do fall back on, my housemate's pain in the ass. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he never ever looks at his WhatsApp, and we have a WhatsApp group. Um, um, so sorry, Louis, it's a pain. Yeah, um, my gran sends me SMSs. Yeah, sent me one for my birthday the other day. <laughs> I'm impressed. You can even send you a text message. To be exactly. <laughs> um, but this will be a thing where I think if it works, it'll be because gradually you'll suddenly get typing indicators and something. Oh, this looks a bit more cool. This this works, yeah, and yeah. like it's sent over data. So it has to be there as a standard, otherwise it's not going to get used. But if it is on your Android when you pick it up, um, it, it will it will get usage. Yeah, I mean, I, did you even did you guys know about Allo? Do you remember Allo? I've I've heard of Allo <laughs> only because we have an article on Computer World, which is um, Google Graveyard. And there's all this <laughs> stuff that, that I mean, that is that is the prime example. Although interestingly, as a side point, that was released at the same time as Duo, which is its kind of face uh, FaceTime clone. Yeah, both of these apps are available for iOS, and I read a stat that a quarter of the calls placed to and from uh, Duo are from iPhones. So someone out there is using Duo yeah. for calls. <laughs> not me. It's no. not me. It's not me not either. Me. Um, although having th- thinking about it, I kind of as a reviewer flip between Android and iPhone. But um, when I'm not on iPhone, I just well I don't really use FaceTime anyway. But that would yeah. be my go-to. But do you guys ever video call? I I FaceTime. Yeah. You do FaceTime. Yeah. What would you buy on Android? The only alternative I, is you. You, you know I don't know what an Android Sky- is. I know. But <laughs> 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 You'd have to Skype someone, I suppose. Yeah. It's not really like a... So I suppose that's why people Can you are not use Hangouts? Duo. I, I have never dabbled with Hangouts. No. I've always... I think it's I only became aware of it like four years ago. And even then it seemed like a, this weird... Because people still use it um, use it for texting yeah. as a consumer product. I just think it passed me by. It, it's it's just like Skype. It's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but with the IM as well. Yeah, it's got both. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've just never ever used it because it does, it's not a thing that came pre-installed on any Android. It's phone. very good for the enterprise because it's very it's it's got very intuitive screen sharing. Um, so it, it's pretty good for stuff like that. Yeah, better than um, whatever Citrix. Cistri- oh God, yeah. What do you? Oh, Citrix. And, that's Citrix. And, that's and, it, and yeah. even Skype. <laughs> Skype never worked. So this is a thing that is happening, and it'll probably happen quite quietly. There was a bit of a splash, and I think it will die down now. This but... must have been just a mammoth 
project though in well, the back end because yeah. It, yeah. to get 30 carriers to all agree on like something and, is... and then like actual handset manufacturers to say yeah we'll build this standard into our um default app yeah the amount of work and investment and stuff that's gone into it means that they've they clearly see a huge opportunity here well i think um, they, they've seen the opportunity but far too late and this is kind of a compromise for them well it's always going to be a compromise when you've got that many stakeholders involved well because like the carriers as well let Apple do it, but they'd be so much harder for Apple to set up iMessage now because they're not, those operators are not going to let Google take away SMS revenue and the fact that this is all unencrypted so they can scrape yeah. these texts as well to mm-hmm. see who, you, uh, if not the content, then who you're talking to at what time and what have you. Yeah. Because if they give up that data stream, it's one step closer to just not needing an operator, mm-hmm. which is not what they want. No. Uh, so yeah, um, I would say keep an eye out. Oh wait, you, you're transitioning to Android now, aren't you, Sean? Yes, <laughs> yes, I am. I uh, think I get, I, we we lent Sean an Android phone because he's he's got, he's got an iPhone on its last legs. But is it are you finding it hard to switch because you're stuck in iMessage? Um, not overly. I don't know. I've never, considering that you know, working as a technology journalist, I'm not really overly fussed about what I use and how I use it. If it's pre-installed, I'll just fire it up. I mean. I mean, I'm, I'm, I've still just got WhatsApp on the tip of my tongue every time anyone brings up a conversation like this. So yeah. It's, um, it's sort of the problem. Um, yeah. Scott, Scott is basically Tim Cook. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, talk, I mean, my iPhone's right on its last legs, but... Yeah. Still works. Still going. Still going. <laughs> uh, cool. Um, so, uh, Google... Well, it's not even a Google product. I would just have to ask you, uh, Sean, chat or chat? <laughs> <laughs> Great. Um, I'm gonna go chat because I'm not quite sure uh, what it that it, what is they're doing and why why we need another. I mean, one. you're the perfect customer because you're gonna end up using it without even realizing. This is it. <laughs> Scott, chat, uh, chat. Okay, not impressed with that, but it'll happen behind the scenes. Keep an eye out for those typing indicators if you're on Android. Uh, we will be right back to talk about chips. Sean, Intel, Nvidia, AMD, Ryzen, teraflops. Teraflops. What's happening in the murky world of processors? Uh, well, um, for the first time in quite a long time, AMD has pulled level with Intel, which is something they've been struggling for, again, for really quite a while. Um, this sort of really started to happen last year with the release of the Ryzen processor, the first generation, um, okay. which came with a sort of, uh, f- sort of five or six different models. Um, it was still being beaten by Intel, um, but they came at a slightly more attractive price bracket for anyone who was um, sort of... Well, when you say beaten, you're just talking in terms of sales? Um, I'm talking in terms of sales, yes, and also performance. Okay, um, so if, that's I mean, even more important. <laughs> yes, so I mean, anyone who was building a sort of high-end, um, uh, um, any sort of consumer who was building a high-end PC would really, Intel was just the best one you could buy. Um, the okay. sort of, um, yeah, and this, this sort of continued with the Coffee Lake series, which was released yes. uh, sort of the end of last year. Um, so recently, um, AMD have released uh, their second generation of Ryzen processors, which have uh, stepped up the game a lot. Good. Um, what's, is, what's new? Uh, what isn't new? Um, really, <laughs> is, is, the, is the question. Um, so um, it's based on Zen Plus architecture as opposed to Zen. So um, it's a similar sort of... Uh, More Zen than Zen. More Zen than Zen. Zen Plus, Mark II. Um, so they've improved a lot um on the previous um sort of uh, memory latency has come down a lot um and also um without going too nerdy um instructions per cycle uh, has gone up by a couple of percent which is a big deal you're you're way too far gone to start putting yeah not I know. to go too nerdy yeah, yeah we're, we're already there we're already there um so yeah um so this um series is being uh, led by the uh, flagship which is the ryzen 2 uh, ryzen 7 2700x 
Um, and this is retailing at about £290 or $330. Okay, so what would the, in pounds, what would the equivalent Intel chip cost you? Well, so this is it. So the um, its main competitor is the um, most powerful Coffee Lake Intel 8th generation Intel chip, which is the 8700K, um, which is to about £280. So they're about similar. However, the Ryzen 2700X comes with a cooler. And if you're putting together a rig, you're going to need a CPU cooler. And these will usually cost you about 50 to 60 pounds for a good one. Again, if you're really spending top dollar on the yeah. CPUs, you're going to want a cooler that, that, that does the business. Um, AMD have put stock coolers in with their uh, CPUs for a while. And it was kind of a strange move because, again, if you're spending that much on a CPU, you're going to want the best cooler on the market or one of the best coolers on the market. And they weren't really doing that. Um, now they have. Um, the uh, Wraith Prism, um, and there's a different one for each um, version of the um, of the new, new generation, um, is a very, very good cooler, which essentially means you don't... I mean, if you're a hyper-enthusiast and you really want to get your temperature down by that extra 2 or 3%, then you might want an aftermarket one. But this one that comes with the stock is really, really good. I mean, it's, it's fantastic, which means that that's just an extra 60 quid you don't have to spend if you're buying an Intel chip. Okay. Um, on top of that, um, it's, um, it's the... Current offering from uh, the 8700K from in from Intel is a six-core, twelve-thread processor, whereas the uh, 2700X from AMD is a eight-core, sixteen-thread. Please explain what a thread is. So right, so uh, <laughs> when you, you've got a, a CPU and it's built up of um, <clears throat> um, individual sort of blocks, which can each process different streams. Okay. So um, uh, and before um, um, way back in the day, um, each core could only uh, produce sort of one one line of instructions. Yeah, um, and then they add in hyperthreading, which allows you to have multiple threads per core. So, two cores, uh, sorry, two threads to a core. Um, and AMD have always had the advantage on uh, the amount of cores they fit in a, a, their CPU, um, which has meant that they would have an advantage in applications that again take advantage of multiple cores. So this is things like um, uh, if you're rendering videos or doing any sort of content production. Um, I mean that. Um, whereas uh, if you're gaming, usually having more performance in a single, uh, having one faster core is better than having multiple slower ones. So is this primarily for gamers? Uh, pretty much. If you're going to be spending sort of almost three hundred pounds or you know three hundred fifty dollars on a CPU, you're the only thing that's really going to need. Yeah, it's it's gaming or content creation really, or if you're rendering video. Yeah, isn't okay. everything in that space moving towards GPUs though? Uh, it is, um, although CPUs are still quite a big deal, um, and, and particularly with the you know sort of recent giant rise in uh, GPU prices, it's sort of you know mo mo moving back sort of the pressure towards CPUs a little bit. Particularly with um, Raven Ridge, which is something that AMD released recently, which is a CPU with very good inbuilt graphics, which can play modern games at a solid frame rate, and it means you don't need to buy a GPU. Is that because all the um, Bitcoin miners are buying all the GPUs? <laughs> Pretty much. Um, it's a combination between um, the fact that um, sort of uh, high-end phones are now using DDR4 memory, which is causing a memory shortage, which um, means that for the graphics cards, which are now, I mean, I think the 1080 Ti has 11 gig of DDR4 memory, memory on it. Um, so there's just a, a memory shortage, so the price is going up. And then also, um, yeah, proof-of-work mining uh, for cryptocurrencies is... Um, you're just making the whole GPU market go absolutely nuts. Yeah, because the Qualcomm CEO <clears throat> went um, at their massive conference the other day, admitted, didn't he, that there was a massive shortage. They basically can't match demand, and he puts it down quite a lot towards Bitcoin mining. Yeah, yeah. I was dutifully updating our uh, graphics card coverage on Techifizer the other day, 
and I had to double check. I was like, why are all these prices in, <laughs> yeah. compared to the RRP insanely high? Yeah. Good yeah. because it means our website is working properly. <laughs> yeah, but bad because sometimes the price was like three or four times the RRP. Yeah, it was really expensive, and also, I mean, it's, I mean, enthusiasts are always going to be enthusiasts, right? So they'll always pay. You know, if your hobby is PC gaming and you want to have the best rig, you're always going to pay a lot of money. But I mean, a 1080 Ti is going for over a thousand pounds, and that's just for the card. And how and much that, is it normally? Um, I think originally, I think the original RRP was just under seven hundred. And okay. now it's sort of a thousand, eleven hundred. But I mean, just justify. I mean, it's hard to justify seven hundred quid for a graphics card. I mean, now you're in the realm of over a grand. I mean, it's it's crazy. Is the pricing of compo- components always that fluid as well? Um, no, I can think of many other consumer products no. in which a shortage like that, first of all, would even occur. Yeah. But that would affect the price of like the entire market so much yeah yeah to that extent um not, not this is really the first time anything like this has happened um and you know with um, like a stat recently that i mean it, the amount of electricity it takes to mine one bitcoin is like almost out of a country um so just there's that many people doing proof of work mining for sort of uh, for bitcoin and, and, and other currencies it just yeah the price gouging is huge um and it's sort of good for um amd and, and nvidia um, with graphics cards specifically because i mean literally people are buying these things faster than they can make them yeah um, um, but then for um, consumers who are trying to do it, I mean, you don't even want to buy a second-hand card right now because the chances it's been sitting in a rack in a warehouse for eight months being run at 100% capacity, okay. mining Bitcoin, which means that you could buy it second-hand for more than the RRP would have been a year ago, and then you'll have it, and it will just be, I mean, yeah, like you know, it's like buying a second-hand car and someone's just been running it in the red for six months. It's, it's, you know, it's going to be burnt out completely. Oh, yeah, it was NVIDIA, not Qualcomm, that were complaining about there you GPUs. Go. Makes yeah. Sense. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so um, back to the old CPUs. Um, the uh, What you're basically getting with the new AMD uh, Ryzen second generation is you're getting um, their multi-thread performance is about 20% better than Intel's best offering. Okay. And this is pretty huge um, for anyone who's creating content or, again, using uh, applications that use multiple cores a lot. Because this is really the first time that AMD have really beaten Intel in something. And not only are they beating them in performance, the prices for the CPUs are the same, roughly, but with the AMD, you're getting a really good air cooler as well. So, I mean, right now... If you're building a rig, you don't really have an excuse to buy an Intel CPU. Okay, if, if that's that's a pretty big statement. Yeah, yeah which is not hasn't really happened. Um, and, and people are very impressed with AMD because of that. Um, yeah. Do you think though that AMD are doing this at this price, making this product at a profit, or are they making a loss so as to show show the world that they can be Intel? Uh, that's a good question. Um, I would imagine that they're still. So, I mean, because there hasn't Intel really suffered much competition from AMD really until the start of last year in, in the in the processor market. Okay, people were still buying AMD processors for laptops and whatever else. But yeah. if you wanted to, the right right top end of consumer processors, it was always Intel. Um, the technology has been a little bit stagnant because Intel hasn't really been pressed, um, which is why it's actually going to be very interesting to see what Intel do in the later half of this year. Um, when they um, end up, um, it will either be Icy Lake was the was the um, ninth generation because this is, again this is the first time they've really been pressed um, and they've really just done enough just to stay just ahead of AMD uh, with enough of a performance gap to make make their uh, product the best. Okay. Um, so it'll be interesting inter- interest to see what they offer. Um, but yeah, but right now um, it's AMD all the way. Um, AMD's stock price is spiking, by the way. So I wondered if that had, had an effect on their 
stock price and it has it's gone yeah. up a couple of points in the last week or so yeah um yes yeah, so also segueing um apple are also moving away from intel was they going to make their own chip yes yes they are yes. that is big deal here come the lawsuits <laughs> 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 Woo. well uh, they've been doing it for a long time in ipads and iphones yeah um I don't know. It just to, to me. I mean, please go on. After I make a mess of what I'm about, about to say, <laughs> but I don't know. Are they ready for it? It's by 2020, right? Yes. Yes, it is. Um, yes, it's. Are they ready? I mean, you, you never know with Apple. Like they're probably ready. <laughs> but probably. they've tried to buy chip makers in the past. Mm. Failed. Well, not failed, but like been put off by the price, and now yep. they're building their own chips. But they also like hire people from those companies so there's just lawsuits inevitable like they're just gonna it's gonna be like the Waymo Uber Google um, spat where you know it's like they're not allowed to reveal secrets but also you've hired them so what are they gonna do sit around twiddling their thumbs yeah Mm. yeah that's a good point what do you think I I, I mean it's it's gonna be interesting either way Um, I, I mean I mean, with Apple moving away from Intel, hasn't been a great year for Intel. Um, no, you know, particularly really you know, you know, when we start to talk about words like Spectre and Meltdown as well. Yeah. Um, which again, you know, um, I believe it was uh, it was either Spectre or Meltdown that was only affecting Intel, not AMD. Mm-hmm. Um, which again it helps it, AMD. <laughs> helps AMD a lot. Um, and you know, and, and floors of that size being opened up were kind of terrifying for sort of everyone involved, which is everyone because um, it really really was going across. Um, but yeah. Um, yeah, Apple apparently have a secret base somewhere in the UK where they're taking uh, very good, sil- uh, um, all the best silicon engineers and throwing them in a lab and locking the door. I'm pretty sure it's in Cambridge. I was about to say Cambridge. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah so it's interesting enough. But um, yeah, so all of that means that it, it, just in general, Intel are, are under pressure. Um, and it will be very interesting to see in the later half of this year. We don't know exactly when they're going to release their next chips, um, but that's sort of the best estimate we have. Apple won't cock this up. There's no way they'll cock it up. They'll get it right. Yeah. They might not compete yeah. on performance, but they'll they'll get it right. They need they just if anything, it's going to improve the uh, PR around. What are we talking? Are we talking MacBooks and desktops here? Um, I as far as I know, it's just desktops. Okay, it could well be because okay. yeah, I, I, I was just thinking the MacBook Pro is taking an absolute kicking, really. Like, <laughs> and it, it seems kind of unfair to me. I mean, I don't I don't use a MacBook Pro myself, um, but the fact that the tech world will review the Touch Bar MacBook and, and give it give it some great score. And then actually in, in the fallout from actually using it for longer, they'll be like, ah, actually, this is rubbish. Mm. And the keys are bad. And this touch bar is stupid. Um, so <laughs> actually, think, it will be laptops, I think. You would think it would be laptops. Yeah, I think it Because they're so good at mobile processors, surely that'll yeah. be the easier transition for them. Yeah, but then again, yeah. if they're moving away from Intel, it might well suggest that they're going to do it for a, for a Mac. We will find out we in will. two years. That's, that's <laughs> what we do for a living. Yeah. We're just professional finder-outers. Yeah. <laughs> Well, thanks for that, Sean. Would you, at this moment in time, buy that AMD chip instead of Intel? Uh, I certainly would, um, which makes me kind of salty, as I actually have the 8700K in my machine at home. Dull. So I'm feeling real good about myself right now. <laughs> Did you have to buy an extra cooler? Uh, look, I might have had to buy an extra cooler, yeah. <laughs> Rinsed. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, though. I actually learned a lot there. Uh, thank you, Sean. And that is the chip news. Sean, AMD or Cray MD? Oh, it's got to be AMD. Uh, are, you, are, you, are you one over... Yeah, sure. AMD. AMD. Scott would buy AMD. Thank you for that comeback pod. We will try and do this more regularly, listener. Believe it or not, we are incredibly busy. (laughs) You wouldn't know it from the crap we talk here, but thank you for listening this far, if indeed you have. And see you next time. Thank you very much. See ya. UK Tech Weekly Podcast.
My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 